Femme Fatale, a monthly series which is dedicated to discussing the work of some pretty spectacular female artists. Um, so yes, now we are based, now I'm based in New York City, so um, I'm acquiring a lovely little archive of artists, uh, female artists, um, based here in Brooklyn. Um, so today I bring another awesome guest, uh, Jay Miriam. She's a visual artist whose work uh, is derived from memory. So yes, um, a very interesting starting point. Um, yeah, so she has had her work featured both locally in New York and internationally as well, which I have since discovered. Um, including the Amsterdam Art Fair. She's also had her work featured um, in in Sydney, I do believe. Or come up, that's upcoming, isn't it? No, it happened. Oh, it happened? Okay, cool. Well, we can talk about that in just a minute. Um, yeah, so her work uh, possesses the combination of remembrance and truth, which settles into a, like, a dreamlike realism, uh, where the viewer is treated to watch the, New York, um, the Time Out New York calls an updated Odalesque for the social media age. So yes, uh, a lot of uh, hot hot concepts there to to discuss in just a minute. But um, so welcome, Jay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a, it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Um, so okay, let's just let's just talk about you know how you entered into the arena of painting, particularly, mm -hmm. and was it always painting that you wanted to do? No, it wasn't always painting uh, that I wanted to do. Uh, but when I started to take art classes at the Art Students League of New York when I was 17 I became exposed to painting and I first started with acrylic and then it wasn't it wasn't visceral enough so I switched over to oil which has a lot more malleable characteristics and you can really work with it more so then that's sort of how I got into it I guess and I was happy so I stayed so like the the malleability of the paint was a massive factor for for you and mm -hmm. um, why is that so well because when you're working with oil paint uh you can make a mistake yeah and i firmly believe in mistakes so uh that's great and you can always uh let it dry and go over it or scrape it off or or not and sometimes um mistakes in painting really make the painting itself better because it shows you a new angle or a new direction to go into and so you can follow that mistake and then make the work stronger. Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me, so would you find that when when you start to paint that you have like an idea or a concept and that you have this sort of thought out direction or trajectory in your head that you want to that you want to depict on the canvas or is it do you enter into it just you know with an open mind entirely i i tried doing the, the first thing that you uh, described and it doesn't really work out for me because i i paint a lot of there it's um it's 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 almost like I'm painting a story and so the story is dependent on uh, people or emotions or experiences that I am a part of or I witness or somehow like across my life so it, it is a bit of a challenge to plan that because I never really know what's going to happen sure um and so yeah I can't really plan I I whenever I did try to plan a painting it was just like awful <laughs> and so like you you use words like emotion. Um, and you say that like maybe like emotion is in some sense like the fuel behind your painting or is it would that be an accurate way of describing it? I, th I, I uh, 
more so definitely emotion but it's a lot of it's a lot of depict the emotions that I'm depicting are grounded in the basic idea of the struggle of man okay so would that would explain why um your your paintings are generally like abstract and figurative Mm-hmm. Yes, so you, you like you you kind of don't really enter into the arena of um, painting scenes or anything. Uh, it's it's usually like very much human based. Human based, um, focused mostly on the faces and the hands and the feet. And any particular reason that you would focus on the hands or the feet? Uh, feet, hands, and 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 the mind are sort of how we carry ourselves throughout the world. Uh, dependent, it doesn't really matter who you are, we need our hands to, to create, to make work, to, to live, to sustain, and then feet is sort of the, the, the point of the, how, how someone stands, really the posture of somebody can really express how they feel. That's very true, I agree with that. Yeah, so it is a lot of it is derived by feelings so like when you're in a public space for example <clears throat> excuse me when you're in a public space for example or any like social cir- sort of circumstance would you be like kind of aware of how people are using their hands in conversation or like would you be like play more of an observant role when you're when you're watching people as they interact mm-hmm. yeah but then when i when i'm out and about i'm not looking at the person in particular Perhaps, or not, I'm not looking at them and wondering, oh, how do they feel? Sometimes I do make up stories, but I'm more so looking at shapes and shadows. Okay. Because I have to remember that later when I go to make the, the pose, um, the shadow is very important and also it dictates where the light hits and how the gesture flows. And So have you ever like arbitrarily encountered someone um, and the way they, they carry themselves, like you know, physically with their hands and their feet or whatever, um, has struck you so much that you need to actually like convey this particular person on, on onto a onto a canvas. Has that ever happened before? Or is that what happens all the time? It happens to me, but I never I never approach somebody and ask them. Like I do see people like that and I'm I'm naturally very shy. So I, I whenever I'm out anywhere I don't really speak to anyone. <laughs> so then to even approach somebody and ask them if I could paint them, uh, it's definitely something that I have to work on, but I, I, I would love to, to do that. I, sometimes, really, it's it's really the shadows. The shadows of that, that people cast? Yeah. And you're focusing on their shadows. That's probably why you're so shy, because you don't have time to speak. You're just right. like, excuse me, I can't talk right now. I'm looking at your shadow. No, I don't. way, <laughs> if I'm staring at someone for too long, they look at me with like this really angry angry look like stop staring and I'm like oh my god I'm sorry but you not get really overwhelmed I mean New York is so densely populated there's so many shadows that are, that are cast on a daily basis how are you still sane observing all of these shadows uh, I don't know <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> I really don't know but um so your work generally like it's it's like large you've a lot of large paintings is that intentional do you feel like that it's not possible to sort of like depict what you want to depict unless it's done on like a really grand scale um interesting that you say that because i think that my paintings are small and i'm limited because i'm i paint in my apartment so i have to work with door frames and ceiling heights and things like that 
But if I had a bigger space, a bigger studio, I would paint much larger. Yeah, oh, larger canvases. And do you like, do you uh, stretch your own canvases? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I get my linen raw and I prepare it before I stretch it and then I prepare it after I stretch it and then I do the whole gessoing myself, blah, 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 and all that good stuff. And do you feel like that that's like a part of the creative, the, the, the process? Do you feel like that the way you like make the canvas is going to in some way shape the painting? Like, is there a relationship between the two? It is because in some way while I'm doing this, um, I'm really focused on, it's almost like a like you're making a baby. Like uh, if you make- if It's I, like sex, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't, like when you're making the rabbits can glue, for instance, it takes um, a day to make and then it takes like five minutes to boil, but you can't, if you have one, um, what is it called, an air bubble, then you can't use it. So it's, there's a lot of like care and meticulous planning in, in that. Um, it has to be very, very uh, done well, otherwise you can't make the painting. So there's a struggle in that. And isn't it the case as well? I, again, I've never stretched a canvas before, unfortunately, I'd love to, but um, maybe you can give me a lesson after this. Um, that the, like, the line within the linen or within the right, canvas to... has to be mm -hmm. in line with the, with the board. Mm -hmm. You have to really, even when you're stretching it, you have to make sure, and you have to, you have to start on one side and then to go to the reverse immediately after and then you so you go in a circle you're constantly moving around and you're watching the grain and it has to um plenty of shadows to be casted in that process yeah and then during this entire time it takes it takes me like maybe three to four days to prepare the canvas before i can even start working on it or linen so so is it like more time consuming almost to, to to prepare the canvas than even do the painting itself it depends on the painting. Sometimes, no. I've had paint. I've had a painting that took me like a year to make, and okay. it was this like torch drap. Like this, it was like terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, please, please finish freedom. But you say um, this thing about like you know making mistakes, and this ties in very nicely with what we're ta what we're talking about, and like how like a painting can sometimes take a year. But like, is it can a painting ever really be finished? Like, is it the case that you could always feel some sort of desire to tweak it further and like when do you know where to stop well very possible it's it's always hard to know when to stop i do think that there is another stage of the painting after it's quote-unquote completed which is like this afterlife where whoever is with it me or whoever and you look at it for years and years you you can always notice something different so it is it's still changing it's still evolving without having to actually be altered and like, what's that feeling for you like when you when you when you've created something and you feel like you you are, you know, totally, unbe unbelievably like in the know about this particular piece of work that you made, and then you discover something new about it. Is that a very like visceral feeling? Uh, it's it's definitely very interesting. Uh, I had a recent example where a friend of mine in Amsterdam has a painting, and he came to visit and was telling me about how his friends love to talk about the painting and how they love this dog on a man's lap or something and I was like I never made a painting like that before and he was like oh uh wait what 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 is it then and I was like it's two birds so, <laughs> so two birds become one dog apparently on the man's lap and so oh, I thought that was really funny because even though there was one idea that I created it actually completely evolved into something else and he's had it for years so it became a 
dog on a man's lap. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See what you, cause he almost like it is in possession of it. It's no longer yours. It's no longer birds. Yeah. Um, do you feel like that that may be in some way, like when you do sort of, when you're acquainted with the realization like that, that it gives you an insight into what the, the spectator sees every time they, they look at a new piece of your work. You know, that when you see it in your own painting, when you see something new in your own painting, do you feel like, wow, I'm really like just a part of the audience here? Yeah, that happens all the time because um, I see one thing, the work is the work is relatively figurative, but it is abstracted. Um, so so there's always a possibility of a question, the un un unknown, uh, and then that changes always based on whoever is perceiving the work. Um, and I learn a lot from, from people when they talk about their work things I haven't seen um, even and do you intentionally do that like do you like being around people um, when when they're observing your work in real time and hearing what they have to say like is that something that you enjoy that critical analysis I, it is I really value honesty uh, I had a friend who I used to show my work to after I made every painting and he would say this is a shit painting immediately or this is a good painting and Sometimes the criticism was so hard, like harsh that I would like sit on a rock and cry. But um, <laughs> we're cool. actually sitting on that rock right now. Would you believe? Uh, no, I'm there joking. was this one rock that I would go to in Central Park and I would just weep. Oh my god, the weeping rock, the weeping boulder, the weeping boulder. Yeah, yeah. Has that featured in, in any of your paintings? No, no one's been no one's been criticizing your work. Then that's good. Um, well, in he, a negative he, way. He ended up moving. We lost touch. But did he take the boulder with him? No, it's. Are you sure it's still there? It could. It could very well be a cheeto at this point. No yeah, one, no, no one really knows. <laughs> <laughs> so many babies in that park. You should. You should paint hands and feet on that boulder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely on the to-do list. I've seen that. I've seen people painting outside in New York, and I always wonder. <laughs> what is driving? What's the driving force behind that? No, just that's such a hard thing to do because you have to focus yeah and then people are passing and looking and asking and stopping and but trying. that could be their fuel in some way every painter is different I suppose yeah but like that brings us on to the, the whole point of, or yeah of New York so like being a painter in New York have you ever have you ever like been an artist in a different environment because obviously this place is so volatile that it's going to in some way contribute to yeah to I, I lived in um I, I lived in Pittsburgh for a while I lived in in Poland um else I mean I also I travel whenever I can and I'm painting or at least working while I'm somewhere else um, and do you notice a shift in your work when you're totally, totally really yeah the everywhere every different city the work is different the work is I think every so like in so Poland they don't cast shadows they don't know what to do <laughs> no in Poland they don't smile so notice that. yeah or not as much as American <laughs> Yeah, they smile all the time. Because they all bleach their teeth. I'm like, yeah, I'd smile loads if I if I didn't have a massive dimple and I had and really white teeth. Asking, is asking how you're doing, how are you, or yeah. how's your day? It's yeah, like, and how do you respond? Just, just woke up. You're like, I just got off this boulder. I'm <laughs> past the Kleenex. Um, right. <laughs> Sent free. But, but um, okay, so let's talk about some of the the exhibitions you've done in the past do you have um do you ever we'll, we'll talk about one that you've done in, in New York first is there any particular one that that I don't know you feel really connected with that struck you the most mm. 
Yeah, there was a show at Half Gallery in June 2016. That was my first solo show in New York. Um, so that was an experience. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, and it was your first solo show, so obviously that's going to be like a very kind of... First solo in New York, but... Oh, first solo in New York. Um, well, yes, of course, the, considering this is a place you live and this is a place where you, you, you paint, like, of course, it's going to be a very sort of a monumental, you know, mm-hmm. stage in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but why, well, why was it so important, do you think? Like, was it just having, seeing all your work in a very particular order? Was it like the people that were there? Was it the space itself? Um, well, the space was amazing and the uh, show was curated by... Um, Bill Powers and Aaron Goldberger and they did an amazing job with the layout and how the paintings related to one another and seeing seeing that uh, come together was really great but I was as as a paint as a young painter very young very young um, terrified of the reaction mm. the response um, it wasn't necessarily so much I don't I don't mind if people say the painting is bad as long as it's a critical analysis, but it was almost like I was stepping out of the shadow in a way, in my comfort. I wasn't out. I was, You're completely out of your comfort zone. Yeah, because it's, it's, um, it's work that you live with and that you know, and then to have them leave your home or studio and be elsewhere and then have someone look at that painting without knowing you or what happened to make that painting or the story behind the painting and you're seeing... Um, like a very, how do you say, like a very, it's a very forward reading. Yeah. Because they're, they're reading the painting, they're not reading the person. And uh, so I, I mean, I, I was, that, that show was amazing for me. And actually, did we, did you ask me earlier if I, if something about like talking to people about work? I yeah. I remember. Okay. So um, that, because that show was in New York, I did go to the gallery a few times after the opening and just stood around and watched and listened to people and, and heard what they were saying. So I was sort of a fly in the wall. And obviously that was a good thing to do because people were saying positive things or were they saying negative things and you were just like... Mm. I don't remember. Yeah, but either yeah. way, it was just true. It was just Which honest. Which is funny because when you're yeah. you're you're anticipating something and there's this like sensation of not knowing and wondering what people are thinking, and then now months later, when you ask me what people thought, I'm like, I, have no I idea. don't even remember. Yeah, it's yeah. white noise. Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, because uh, you are such a young painter and you've done so well so far, considering as well how young you are, um, like the fear of em- embarking on a career like painting. The fear that's involved, because as you say, you're putting yourself on a chopping board. You're like all of the emotions and feelings are just literally being, you know, you know what each painting means, and they're just being conveyed like in real time to a mm-hmm. load of people, and that's like a very vulnerable position to put yourself in. Do you feel like that? <clears throat> that's something that I mean, obviously it's hard for you to answer, but do you feel like that's something that all young painters have to endure at some point? I'm not sure. Yeah. Wait, what is the question? Like, as in, well, do all young painters, painters in the kind of early stages of their career, have to kind of go through the fear, I suppose, of being criticised? I'm hoping that that this fear never ends. 
Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I think it's good to push yourself. Um, and if you're afraid, or I'm not not to say I'm I'm afraid, but um, it was a new experience for me to have a solo show in New York, and it was my first time. And but uh, fear is never a good thing. It's not good to be afraid. It's good even if there is something that you that scares you. You have to just push yourself and do it anyway. So I think the fear that I have more so than as a painter is maybe fear. I'm I'm afraid of people changing. I'm afraid of how things like internet and social media change basic human behavior. I don't want to be 80 years old and everywhere I go if someone's on their phone, even now on the subway, I never see anyone reading. I see everyone on their phone. Um, yeah. Or when they're walking and they're on their phone and headphones and or even if they are reading off their phone, it's still so beige. You know, you mm. never really know what someone's doing. It's like... It's such a separation. Yeah. And so that's a fear because I, I you know, very much uh, study and love human emotion. And then to have that be hidden so well by the little cute people holding their hands, that's a fear. So would you say that like yeah so the the point of contact between human has and human has been ruptured so to speak it's like almost human phone human mm-hmm. human phone phone human <laughs> it's like whoa <laughs> whoa where like how how is the the energy and the emotion being funneled through this process it's like what's actually happening in, in that in that process um so you don't really like exploit social media as as a means to sort of I have an Instagram yeah yeah that's the only social media I have uh but like social media as a concept and what it's doing like technology as a concept isn't really like a feature of your work per se no I'm so I'm so bad with technology like I have I don't know how to like access my email and I have I have a laptop that when I was when I got it like five years ago I thought of like taking a bath and watching a movie and then my laptop immediately the day after I got it fell into the bath oh of course because I was that was stupid it was like slippery and <laughs> <laughs> so for five years I've had this busted laptop that hardly works and doesn't even I can't even I don't I don't know how to fix it and the thought of going to a, a like I, I so basically a technology in me don't get on <laughs> don't get along at all yeah, my, it was like, my last tragedy was something about my inbox being full, so, or something the space, so I, I, then I had to like clear it, and I tried, and I deleted everything, and I couldn't get it back. I had to like email people back, and it was like, what is your email? Really? <laughs> well, I'd say like, hold on to that, because that's definitely like a random quirk. I know, that could have Rolodex, but right, sitting <laughs> next to us. I used to have a landline, but, um too many telemarketers. I, no, it wasn't that. It was, I kept getting this voicemail from this person. I think it, it was the wrong number, but the voicemail would be like <laughs> looking for some person and it was started to get really intense. So I was like, you, you sound like you operate a phone, like a 70 year old person would mm-hmm. operate a phone. Yeah. Not even 70, like 90. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my granddad, he's turning a hundred in two weeks can operate a phone better than you. Could. Yeah. My friend just showed me how to use YouTube the other day and I had no idea that you can like there's this thing that you can like you like put like you touch the phone and then you like move your finger and it like you can search I don't know right (laughs) 
<laughs> wow, I didn't really realise the extent of your technological incompetence, but uh, right. <laughs> she knows how to use the paintbrush anyway, that's that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that's so funny. Really um, <clears throat> so, do you like follow other artists? Like, do you draw inspiration from other ones or uh, do you feel like that, that can cloud your perspective in some way? I, I do really love to look at other people's work. Um, but I'm not looking, I'm looking at, when I look at other people's work, I'm looking at uh, how they made the painting. So I focus a lot on brush strokes and I wonder like, oh, is that a linseed oil or did they use a demar varnish or that? And I'm wondering, but like, how did they get this stroke and sit next to the, or like, I'm more looking at the process. Process as opposed to the actual message. Yeah. Interesting. And because I know like a lot of painters customize their paints their own way. Do you do that? Do you mix your own? Um, I do. I mix my own paints. Uh, I work a lot with oils. There was a time period when I was younger where I was really experimenting with oil. Like like I, w I went to Whole Foods and I bought oils and then I got like a bunch of water bottles and I cut them in half after drinking the water to be sustainable. But uh, I put the water, the oil into the water bottles and then had them all around my apartment and I waited and I would like every day like touch each oil to see how it would dry and then after a year this like really hard layer formed and then I like burst that and I, I was like touching them and then I was painting with them. Wow, so like what kind of like different types of oils or different like... Yeah, like, like, like safflower, um, sunflower, um, all like I was just really curious how does this, how does this bind? Um, how does it age? Wow, I had no idea that you could even use sunflower oil, but why wouldn't you be able to use sunflower? Yeah, you can. But coconut oil, that's the whole craze these days. Coconut oil, how well, does that paint? Before art stores, okay. painters painted using things from their garden and they, they yeah, like oil. So you kind of have to thank technology in some way. <laughs> For the art stores, I mean, they're, they're, they're yeah, cool. For I, the art stores, that's it. I get too many it. emails, like, every day. It's, like, 40% off, like, one thing. And I'm like, am I really going to spend an hour in the subway to go to this art store? I don't know. <laughs> off topic. Um, no, not really. Like, there's no art store. There's not enough art stores in Ireland. Like, we have, like, nimble fingers for anyone who's listening into, like, the, the south suburbs of Dublin. There's a shop called Nimble, nimble Fingers, and they just sell toys, um and marbles and like random like little rubber toys and then they have like one shelf that's dedicated to pipe cleaners and paint and and that like that is it that is it <laughs> do the marbles sell out oh yeah no i used to every time like, there's a hairdresser's next door and my mom used to get her hair done there and in order to keep us quiet while she was getting her hair hair cut we could get a marble each so we just <laughs> that's brilliant it's a, it was amazing like but then she didn't realize that obviously you know, marbles are great. Yeah, but buying a marble and giving it to a really like eccentric two kids in hairdressers is never a good idea. She's like, God damn it, not again! Because you would lose them. We just like rolled them around the floor. You know, she so, probably didn't buy them. I'm sure she just had this bag of like used marbles for yeah. all the kids that, <laughs> that lost their marbles. Marbles, yeah. <laughs> for all the kids that lost their marbles, yeah. I know, it's not, I haven't seen a marble in a long time, actually. That's a funny idea, yeah. the used marble bag. Used marble bag, yeah. For all, all, the, well, all the people that went crazy. Yeah, and there were many. There were many that went like that. Um, that reminds me of Ursula's gar uh, Garden of Souls in The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. She's like that. She has a garden of sanity, I guess. You can cut your hair and also stay 
Stay human. And keep your marbles. Keep your marbles. <laughs> if you dare. If if you dare. Yeah. Well, Jay, I think we have touched on some pretty pretty interesting things. Things that I have never discussed really with anyone. I never. I don't think I've any, I've told anyone the marble story that from my perspective anyway. Um, and I will be dreaming about. I'll be dreaming about weeping boulders for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but do you have anything on the subway? I, oh yeah, that's people, true. People actually get concerned and they move away. They, 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 yeah, they get concerned and they move away. Welcome to New York. Right. That's like oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's exactly it. Um, would you have any any last comments you'd like to make? Do you have anything on the horizon that you'd like to talk about, or are we just very much chilling? We're chilling. We're chilling. Yeah, yeah. we definitely are. Well, um, that is all from Femme Fatale. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, and thank you so much, Joe, for taking the time to speak to us. Thank you, thank you. Thank yeah, you, thank you. and now you all know how to, 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 make, to make a canvas, which is cool. Right. So thank you for giving us that lowdown as well. Sure, yeah. thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, goodbye. Thank you.
Open is golden. Open. Rider. Stumble. Catch. Yeah. Great. Well. Yeah. You talk too fast. The how-to one is great.